Welcome back, fine townsfolk, to another episode of Random Encounters. I'm Nick. I'm Matt. And here we are to talk another random monster from a random monster manual. I have in front of me Dungeons and Dragons 4th Edition, Monster Manual number 2. And we are open to page 69. It is the Dimensional Marauder. Okay. Show Matt the image here. Where we? There we go. Okay. Looks a bit like a graboid from Tremors 4, I think. At one point they had legs with like Jamie Kennedy in it. Oh boy. Just, it, when it it was so it, past jumping the shark. Yeah, it jumped the it, tremor. It jumped the tremor, yeah. So the dimensional marauder. These clever skulking predators travel the plains and the world in search of easy prey. They are especially fond of places where mortals gather. Dimensional marauders are cowardly creatures that prefer to lie in ambush or stalk foes from the shadows. A dimensional marauder waits until adversaries are engaged in combat before moving in for opportunistic bite attacks. It enters plain phase form when first hit in combat, then strikes with reality warp to isolate an opponent. So they are... They do a good job of, of embodying battlefield manipulation and and movement the thing that i loved so much about 4e they have well let's get into let's get into the numbers first so they are a level 4 nothing too too big and scary they have a plus 10 to their initiative wow really nice okay. yeah they have a hp of 45 ac of 18 they are they are vulnerable to psychic damage a dimensional marauder that takes psychic damage immediately ends plain phase form. They have a speed of 7, which is 35 feet, and a teleport of 3, which is 15. They have a standard at-will bite attack, which is just, just a bite, 2d6 plus 3. But their, their kind of planar moves here, which are the, the coolest, reality warp, which is a standard action, usable only when insubstantial, and it's at will. And it's a, it's a teleportation effect. So it's a plus 7 versus the enemy's reflex save. They take a d10 plus 4 damage. And the dimensional marauder teleports the target 3 squares. The marauder then teleports 3 squares into a space adjacent to the target. So assuming oh. they, they've, they've turned insubstantial, they run in, bite the guy. The guy zoops away 15 feet. And then the the marauder zoops away as well to be adjacent to them to continue their attack, less harried by the rogue or, or the fighter or something. Exactly. Planar evasion is an immediate reaction when the dimensional marauder is hit by a melee attack. It's got a recharge of a three, no, a recharge of a four, five, or six on a d6. And uh, it's just a teleportation. The Marauder teleports three squares. So they, they can use their reaction when they're hit by melee to go boop and, and zip away 15 feet. So if you've got a fighter with a level four, I don't know. But if you've got a fighter with multi-attack and they hit on that first one, the Dimensional Marauder's out of there. And then they have nothing to hit for the rest of those attacks. Gotcha, yeah. Un unless wow. they didn't use their movement, I don't know how you can you can. I guess you could break it up. I don't remember in four E. It was four E might have been one of those like you can't move after you've attacked or you can't break up your movement, which is dumb. 
makes no sense. Yeah. And finally, pl- the, that plane phase form that we heard about, it's a standard at will. The, the dimensional marauder partially phases into another plane, gaining insubstantial and phasing until the end of its next turn or until it hits or misses with an attack. For, for a, you can, and it can sustain it for a minor action and the effect persists. So it's kind of like the invisibility effect. If you make an attack, whether you hit or miss, you lose that invisibility. This thing, it, it, it loses that plane phase form, but it allows it to, to sustain it if it's trying to coordinate and get in the right spot. So it doesn't take an attack there because it is, because it is a standard action at will. It, that's, it's a, that's its move for that moment for that yep. turn you know it can't it can't do that and and attack at the same time yeah i think that's that makes a lot of sense and what really struck me is the what we said way back in the very beginning is plus 10 in initiative mm-hmm. that tells me that the developers basically want want to set it up so that this creature is going first and able to start manipulating that battlefield to yeah. kind of give that the party the the onus to react and find their way out of it. Yeah, it's also got a stealth of plus eleven, but that that high initiative really is gives it the oppor- it, it gives it the jump on everybody. You know, between the stealth and the initiative, it gives it the opportunity to pop that plain phase form before anyone else goes. So it's really kind of not even losing a turn to do that. Exactly. You know, if it's the first if it's the first thing to do that. It's almost a surprise round it gets. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. But that's I my one the one thing I I don't like about it or the one thing I would tweak about it is that planar evasion when the dimensional marauder is hit by a melee attack it can teleport 3 squares. I I think it should teleport and and become plane phased i think that should be its defense maybe make the recharge a five and a six or even just a six because it's really a more powerful move sure but but i I don't know i think i think it makes the most sense for it to zip away and become plane phased so then it can can sneak right in yeah because then you're almost resetting its abilities when you become plane phased like that yeah you can bop in and and do whatever so yeah yeah that would make a lot of sense and that might be one of those things where you start tweaking Mm -hmm. in your own game yeah ideally like for for the in fourth edition they they give example encounters that this would be in so ideally you're not going to be seeing this alone so the the example encounter is two-dimensional marauders two Addercap Fang Guards, and one Gnome Arcanist. So, so it's not like your your party's just going to burn this thing down and it's not going to have a chance to do some cool stuff. Yeah. And especially in, in for this example, there are two of these things. So they're going to be manipulating and pulling people out of the way, get your fighter away from your cleric or, or whatever. So it's, it's not... I guess... I guess if the party is trying to fight against five 
five creatures as opposed to the one, then you can definitely get, you can definitely manipulate it more and you can take advantage of those moves more. I guess I was thinking just in the sense of, of if, if it was, if they were soloing this thing, I think that's, that's really what I was thinking about. Would, would they be able to use the, that the teleportation ability where they throw the, where they teleport the other creature, mm-hmm. would they be able to use that offensively? Like if they were in a in a battle and and say you had Ettercaps or the Gnome Arcanist or whatever, mm-hmm. would they be able to move one of those creatures into oh. the fray and then obviously follow it because that's the other part of the spell? Right. But would you would you allow that as a as a DM? I would, but I think they'd they'd have to roll to hit. Well, I guess you could you could passively like accept damage, you know, the Ettercap could say, Okay, bite me, you know. Yeah. But I, I think I would I would deal the damage. Okay. Right? I don't know yeah. let's see, what's the Etter the Ettercap Fangguard is a soldier, so it probably has a decent amount of, of hit points. Yeah. It's a D six plus three. So yeah, so you take for, oh, for the reality warp, it's no the the standard bite is a is two d six plus three. Oh, two d six. Okay. The the reality warp though is a d ten plus four. It's a different oh, type of damage. Yeah. Gotcha. So okay. d ten plus four, your average is what like eight or nine points of damage. Probably, yeah. It's it's a little bit of a a, a little bit of a, a a wound there, but it's if it allows for a cooler fight to for your your fighters to your players to be seeing this thing bite and like warp over yeah. with, with the enemy w- w- transporting the enemy via phase. And you don't necessarily need to even tell the players that they're taking that damage. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a really good idea. I think that's really clever. I like that a lot. And it feels like, especially if you get a, almost a barbarian type monster, Mm-hmm. Something that's very, you know, chaotic and, and savage, I guess. Like, that seems exactly in that wheelhouse where they would want to take that damage to move and then mm-hmm. set up their own attack. Yeah. Yeah, something that... Are you thinking that is savage in the sense that it's difficult to control or something that, like, a almost a barbarian that, like, thrives on damage? That Exactly, that's what yeah. I mean. Like, they're... They, it, damage doesn't bother them. Their main goal is okay. Move me these fifth or these three squares. Was it that? Yeah, square squares yeah. and and for you. Move me these three squares, regardless of the damage. Yeah, yeah, and and if they are they're a barbarian, it's it's just it's just biting damage, so they'd be having that damage anyway. That's true too. Yeah, so that might be a that's a good idea in terms of enemy party construction. Mm-hmm. I guess is yeah. some sort of barbarian class on the the creature along mm. with a couple of these. Yeah. But that that reality warp can only be done when they're insubstantial. Sure. Which which means because that's an attack their insubstantiality ends once they once they make that move, once that 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 planar shift is is done. Oh yeah. Yeah, this is this kind of combat is one where, as the DM, you really have to 
get all your ducks in a row. You have to have mm-hmm. it set up right. Honestly, if I was running it, I would probably make a list like do this, then do this, then do yeah. this. Yeah, you got to know your timing and yep. what triggers what and what effects are in play. Because one wrong move and you are toast. If for some reason the rogue gets a much uh, higher initiative, mm-hmm. then he could throw a monkey wrench into the whole thing, really. Yeah, right. Yeah, and and I imagine with with that reality warp, you're not going to be attacking the rogue because it's against a reflex save. Well, sure. So yeah, you probably don't want to be be. I think it's a waste of time to 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 go and go against that. But this is for for level four for being just a level four. This offers a lot of fun combat and strategy on the DM side, and and offers one of those like satisfyingly frustrating instances of battle for your players that it's not just oh let's go kill these goblins and then we'll kill the hobgoblin who's controlling them it's it's more there's more tweaking there there's there there's i mean you could just tank and spank but there's more there's room for more strategy i think being able to recognize that these things have such manipulation oh yeah if you don't use that then you're you're really missing out. It almost reminds me a little bit of a more weaponized version of Nightcrawler from the X Men. Mm, yeah, where you're just bopping, teleporting in, bopping in and out, and obviously this one's a little bit different just because of the mechanics of it. But it's it kind of reminds me a little bit of that where your your offense is that ability to manipulate the battlefield and you know mm-hmm. separate the party or you know for all the monsters we've talked about especially recently i think that have done some pretty significant aoe damage where you want the party to stay together mm-hmm. this is the exact opposite like you're yeah. actively trying to split things up and maybe you know isolate that wizard or mm-hmm. you know get the fighter out of there or something along those lines yeah it also i just i just realized with say that party with the two Ettercap Fangguards, they don't need to go into that cluster. With the Dimensional Marauders having that higher initiative, they run in and bring the enemy to the 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 Fangguards. You exactly. know, so the Fangguards can stay five squares apart, and each each Marauder zips one of the guys back. I, I'm not sure how effective the well maybe i was gonna say i'm not sure how effective it would be to use this against against casters but casters need to be ranged casters take take a penalty if they're casting a ranged spell in melee range so if you can manipulate it in such a way that the you 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 place your guys in the right way that your marauder can run up, grab the wizard, and zip them right back to the Ettercap guard, they're going to be in trouble. Because yeah, they got to sp- they got to disengage, they got to spend their movement, yeah. they got to get the heck out of there. You start your combat by throwing the Marauder at the wizard, sorcerer, whatever, and bringing him back, especially with this, this sample party size. Mm. Say you have the two Ettercaps, you know, there's one square between them. You teleport that wizard between those two it's automatic flanking mm. and we already know that casters are going to have less hit points than everyone else basically yeah so you 
you literally could be down a caster within two rounds yeah. of combat. If everything gets played right. Exactly. And I, I like the idea of that first that first round or two. After you've given the players the time to to get going, you know, get where they where you think they're gonna kind of station, then you move the bad guys into what seems like arbitrary positions. They don't know what the heck's going on. Yeah. And then you flip that switch. And and because the dimensional marauder again has that high initiative, but they also have a speed of seven. For oh, wow. most people, most people it's five or six squares as opposed to seven. So they've got they've got one at least one more, if not two more squares of movement. And then they the two charge out at the casters already that the fang guards have placed themselves away from the fighters and kind of closer to the casters, but not right up there. Yep. So everybody's like, what the heck is going on? Trigger the, the, the dimensional marauders. And then it's just chaos when they both, when both your casters get pulled in and everyone's like, Oh crap. What, what's going on now? It's one of those things where it, it usually happens the other way around where a DM has stuff all planned out, they know what they're mm. doing, and then mm. the party throws some kind of monkey wrench in, and you're yeah. like, ah, oh, crap, okay. And yeah. this, this is the perfect example of of flipping that switch on them. Mm. Absolutely. It's, you, you don't need your plans to be laid out before anything happens. You wait for them to, to do theirs. Yeah, because you have the higher initiative because you have the higher speed you can be a little bit more reactionary mm. and and still get the desired result so that's yeah that's really cool yeah and these having these things i mean have them make a couple of stealth checks maybe so maybe they're not even seen i would maybe get i don't remember that there's not advantage in 4e but if they're if they're in plain phase form i would give them a bonus to that stealth check Absolutely. Even though they they're already at a plus eleven, so give them give them that stealth to be able to to plant themselves in combat accordingly, and and just just wait for it to happen. It's great. And and presumably at level four, your players haven't seen anything like this, so they just see if even if they do see the thing, even if it doesn't make a stealth check or whatever, it's just a two legged bitey thing. You know, yeah. they certainly don't expect it to be able to phase and, and teleport. Yeah, it definitely does not look on first glance like something that has any kind of extra planar abilities. Yeah. So that is definitely one of those things that when they see it happen, then it's like an all crap moment. Yeah. Like, like if you have a player who doesn't know what a displacer beast is, it would be the same thing. You know, we just happen to know what a displacer beast is and that it phases and, and has those kind of mirror image effect. But but if, if a player is brand new to D&D, doesn't know anything about the monsters, they'd think, oh, it's a big puma with tentacles. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So no, that That's the cool part about these, all the monsters, really, but especially these guys. Yeah, there's... There's... Yeah, and, and there there are the, some of those some monsters out there that you you know exactly what's going to happen. You can kind of figure out what their mechanics are going to be, what they can do. A lot of the undead are are kind of like that. If it's ethereal, you know it's it's going to be immune to certain things, or if it's a zombie, or if it's 
like a big bag of blood, like the Blood Hulk, you know. Sure. That it's, you can kind of guess, but when it comes into the the multi-plane things, I find in general in D and D, it's it's kind of a blanket statement that you don't know what's going to happen with with these critters. You're not, you, you can't quite tell. So it's best to, I mean, I guess it, it's pretty obvious. It's best to approach everything waiting for it to make the move first. You know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, but, you have you have to be a little bit of a reactionary fighter in that way. But if this these Ettercap fang guards and the gnome arcanist start start something with you, I mean, you 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 go with what you what you know to begin with, and then hopefully they don't beat the hell out of you too much before the the dimensional marauders start their shenanigans. Absolutely, and there's nothing saying that especially in that kind of plain phase form that these the marauders can't stalk your party yeah definitely was was there passive perception in 4e or did that just come around in five passive perception i don't think so i don't remember a passive perception okay so it would just be random perception checks yeah and there to kind of see if if you can spot whatever is is trailing you but i can easily see that being the case where you know you're in a a cave or something along those lines Mm. and you you know every every room every couple feet down the hallway whatever they roll a perception check just Mm -hmm. to make sure you say oh no no traps no nothing like that yeah i don't think i would even ask them to make the perception roll until after i had done a stealth check for this sure. guy, have him do his stealth roll first, and if it's it's going to be higher unless he rolls really poorly. So if it's on the higher side, I don't think I would even ask them to roll because it'd be a really difficult DC. So it's maybe it's not worth cluing them in just yet. You know, the 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 biggest clue that they get is the DM rolls the D twenty behind the screen and doesn't say anything. Oh yeah, yeah, that's always the. The scariest moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The uh, the stomach goes to your goes to your no the heart your heart goes to your throat and you're like what's going on, and yeah, then and you that, guys just continue down that that hallway. You're reading that face of the DM and just hoping that you see something down there that says either something positive or negative so that you can have but, an but, idea of what's going on. But at least it's some some knowledge. It's some closure as opposed to just random die roll carry on. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh boy. <laughs> yes. Would you allow a ranger to have this for a pet? Pretty potent. Pretty pretty powerful critter for to compare to like a bear or a wolf <laughs> or a boar or something. Yeah. You know? I would. A, you'd have to convince me, which mm. probably like, wouldn't be that hard. But... Right. Like, how did you, you get this? How did you get a dimensional yeah, marauder? Yeah. I would say you'd have to have some form, either in a race or something along those lines, that has some sort of dimension. Right. Dimension hopping, dimension, like, if you were, maybe if you were like a... A Gith, know if it, Gith Zera, yeah. Gith Yankee, I think they're dimensional. Yeah, something along those lines. And you were you were the ranger and you said, well, that this would line up with my... Mm-hmm with my character a lot more than just a random cat would. Right. Like, okay. Yeah, I get that. Maybe um, maybe 
maybe pick a, a favorite terrain that would somehow work with it too, or a favorite enemy, you know. Oh, for you, sure. If you can really theme your ranger around that. I've never ever heard of a gith ranger, but I would play a gith ranger to get this thing for a pet, for sure. Absolutely, yeah. And you're, you know, any kind of, I know this is more Pathfinder-ish, but any kind of knowledge checks and whatnot, like you're an expert on planar knowledge and you're an expert yeah. on that kind of stuff. So, yeah, you could really kind of build this character around that whole backstory and mm. and play style. And I think this would be a perfect addition to that. And honestly, if I was the... If I had that player in my campaign and his... He just, you know, he looked at the the list of animal companions and said, Oh, well, I guess I'll take a... I guess I'll take a snake. Like, yeah. actually, I think you should probably take this. Or something yeah, along if, these lines. If they decided to be the Gith Ranger anyway, without the Dimensional Marauder in mind, yeah, maybe it, maybe it would be something of a reward yep. for them for, for kind of thinking out of the box. And, and why why are you being a Gith Ranger to begin with? Like, what's the purpose behind that? And And if they give you this great big, like, four-page backstory as opposed to being like, nah, they look cool. You know, yeah. if there's if there's something something more in there, if they're clearly putting something into it, having having the knowledge as the DM of of certainly a broader scope of of critters, I I wouldn't be against against exactly. giving that gi- giving them that knowledge. Yeah, and that's that's their reward for mm-hmm. for doing the extra work. A of God, a four page backstory that'd be wonderful, but also. Yeah. Of uh, of thinking outside the box in that regard, how would you or would you nerf this if it was an animal companion? Hmm, that's that's a good question. I I think I would look at maybe average damage dice for for animal companions around that, and if you have to to pull back the 2d6 or the 1d10 you know if you have to kick it down a die size or or the number of dice and maybe get rid of the plus three and the plus four just to weaken it a little bit i i don't think i would get rid of the the plane phase or the teleportation or anything like that because that's the whole point sure and otherwise it's just a cat yeah and aside from the aside from the 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 damage output that's the that's that's why you're presumably that's why your ranger is taking this and to hamper any one of those it they're they're kind of all fit together so sure and and it's not like you can weaken something more more so you you'd it's all or nothing i guess is what i'm i'm trying to get at with this all this teleportation stuff so so Maybe maybe make the reality warp no damage. You know, make it mm-hmm. they 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 bite to hit. They still have to beat that reflex save, but they don't do any damage. They just teleport. Gotcha. So usually with an animal companion, you have to train it in terms of you know different things like you know uh, attack or come or things like that. I I know oh. at least in Pathfinder that was a big thing where you have to. 
you're teaching your animal companion and it's it's growing and leveling up with mm-hmm. you and whatnot. Right. Because it's we, it's not a sentient creature. You're you're training an animal. You're training exactly. a wild animal. Yeah. Exactly. Would you incorporate that here and maybe maybe start with a, a teleportation and then mm. maybe replace the, the basic commands of attack and whatnot with more okay, this we're gonna teach you teleport and that's that you know, that's on first level. Mm-hmm. Or, and then we'll we'll teach you the planar shift after that, and then maybe after that, then you can build on now the planar shift. You have you can add the damage in, yeah, something yeah. along those lines, I, so that you're building that that tree for right. this as an animal companion. Yeah, look at look at the the general hunter or ranger ladder of of animal abilities as well. I guess. And sure. just just try to mirror it. Just try to to balance it and level it according to that. I'm I'm not familiar with particularly 4E Ranger, let alone yeah f- 5E. But I I think I th- I think like like everything that we try to translate into into being usable by a player. Just just look at other examples, other more common examples, and and kind of look build something of a template and and see how you can balance it and and tweak accordingly you know if you have to make the recharge like we said earlier if you make it instead of four five six make it just six and then maybe yep. at a at a level at one of your your level moments make it a five and a six make then add four five and six you know give it, it there are easy ways to to make these things accessible i think Certainly with this guy, I think this guy would translate very easily to a, a, a ranger pet. I do too. I really like that idea. I like the, honestly, I was just thinking, I like the idea of running a campaign where the, you know, four or five people in the party are all ranger, druid, whatever, mm-hmm. and just have interesting animal companions like yeah. this. You know, that there's there's no normal animal companion in the bunch. It's all really cool backstory based mm-hmm. and you have creatures like this that are that feed into that yeah and you know it, it's almost these are your digimon yeah right exactly yeah the 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 ranger has the dimensional marauder the oh let's see the the paladin has a slurk mount the wizard has the grimalkin for a familiar, okay. What else have we done? I think those are, that's that's the extent of the ones that we've talked about for potential potential animal companions and things. I can't find. I'm looking. Maybe somebody has a flail snail or a giant goat. If we're really lucky. Ooh. <laughs> the last thing, last thing I want to bring up in. Last thing I want to bring up is. Many extraplanar civilizations use dimensional marauders as guards and hunters. However, these creatures' predatory instincts sometimes inspire them to jump into a battle simply because one side or the other looks weak. So, so say your party kicks the butt in their first round. We have just crits all around of the two Adercap Fangguards and the one Gnome Arcanist. Maybe the dimensional marauders jump in on their side just because they're opportunistic. Okay. 
And then I'm not saying like they instantly have pets afterwards. Maybe they have to fight the the dimensional marauders after they take out the others. Sure. Or they just run off, which is Or yeah, right. They 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 get their fill of meat and then and then run off. Yeah. Would you roll for that? Or would it just Mm. be kind of a or would it be a conditional thing? Like if the marauder is at full hit points and the other creatures in the party, whether it's Edder Caps or whatever, mm-hmm. are all below ten, then the the marauders will turn on the turn on whatever else is, is in their party. Right. I think it would be We'll say we'll say the dimensional marauders are are neutral. They're not they're not a part of this this attacking group. So technically this attacking group is three against four or five. So they're okay. they're already outnumbered technically. And say they even if they drop just one to bloodied, one yep. de- to half hit points, that that could be enough to trigger it. Say say one of the marauders goes right for that bloodied opponent, which is the best opportunity because A, it's weakened, and two, it's surprised because it thought the Marauder was on its side. Sure. That, that's very, very clever girl Velociraptor Jurassic Park to me is is you take advantage of what you got. And sure. th- these are very Raptor-esque. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And they're very, from the the image to the explanation, they're just very kind of primal animalistic Mm -hmm. and i can easily see that being the case where they're just they're going around and they're gonna kill and eat whatever is available not they're they're not driven by a specific path of of evil or something along those lines they they don't they're unaligned Yeah. yeah they're unaligned they do have they do have speech they have they they do speak deep speech their intelligence is a negative one. It's only four. However, their wisdom is a 16, which is a plus five. So there, there is a level of... It, it, it goes beyond just being a wild animal, it seems. A little bit, yeah. I, but I can see the wisdom being more of like a survival That's true. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like instinct and stuff. Though that being said, you have to have... I would say you have to have that if you're going to be a battlefield manipulator like they are. Right. Because right, then you're yeah. setting stuff up. Yeah, it's not... If if the wisdom were like a 10 or something, they would just jump in and maul and that's it. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to say... I was going to, to base this, this scale off of Graboids originally. <laughs> but I, I instead I like, how many clever girls would you give the Dimensional Marauder? I think we set up a really good scenario. I like the idea of using it as a as an animal companion and kind of flipping mm. the script on it that way. Mm. So for that, I would give it a solid four clever girls. Four. That's never. I'll never get it. Yeah, I I love the idea of the ranger companion. I love it's it's not something to to build the back of to build on the back of an entire campaign, but it makes for one hell of an encounter. I think so. Absolutely, yeah. I think that's the best part about this creature is that you can build a really memorable campaign out of just a couple of these with some other stuff sprinkled in. Memorable encounter, you mean? Memorable encounter, yeah, sorry. 
And I think I would maybe reuse them once or twice tops in later encounters. Obviously, the surprise is gone, but then you get that effect of like, oh, crap, it's these things again. Yeah, yeah and then you can see how they work with other other monsters. Right. So you can use that battlefield manipulation on something else. Maybe it's a, a monster with some sort of a ranged ability mm. or some sort of a magic ability, something like that. So I yeah. think, A, it's fun for the DM, but it's also going to be more of a challenge for the players than just literally the same combat maybe a couple levels up. Yeah. And because they're so they're so cool and unique, maybe they are like the the special the special pets, the special animals of your big bad, you know, like the, they're like the the dogs in Willow, you know, they're those yeah. those nasty hunting dogs. Oh, that's cool. So then you have almost a kennel of them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, sold. The, the wild hunt, but with dimensional marauders. Yes, very cool. Okay, yep. awesome. Matt only gave these four clever girls, as usual. <laughs> but write in and let us know how many clever girls you would give us, give the dimensional marauder. How many clever girls would you give this podcast? Go to Apple Podcasts and give us five clever girls right along with your five stars. I beseech five clever girls to give us five five-star reviews on apple podcasts do the math it's exponential it's powerful the power of math thank you so much for listening this week we will be back next week with another random monster from a random monster menu bye Random Encounters is a proud member of the Feckless Momes Audio Network.